You are listening to the official podcast of Grace Atoma, Episode 8. What is the first step in becoming unshakable? Be vulnerable. It sounds counterintuitive, right? The events of 2020 shook us to the core. As we enter this new year, we are preparing ourselves for whatever might come our way. To prepare for 2021, we start by changing our mind about what it means to be vulnerable. We will explore this and other topics in today's episode based upon 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, and Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. The chaos of 2020. It shook us. It shook me. And we aren't naive enough to believe that 2021 is going to be any easier. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to change our beliefs about some of the ideas that held us back in 2020. And we're going to take the opportunity. Why? Because this year, in 2021, in a brand new year, no matter what happens, we want to be unshakable. And over this next month, we have this opportunity to change our minds about some of these beliefs that held us back in a new series called Our Unshakable Year. It's because in 2021, that's what we want. We want to be unshakable. But I can tell you, as I been putting the series together over this past month or two, and even this past week, I felt like such a fraud, preaching about being unshakable, because I'm not unshakable. If you know me, you know I'm not unshakable. I have good days. I have hard days. I have days that I am rattled. I have days I am stressed. And uncertain. If you saw me early earlier this week, you saw how frustrated I got with my home office desk chair. I picked up this chair and I was so frustrated with it. I was frustrated because this chair, it started to drop. It, it, it was dropping and dropping day after day. And, and then I accidentally pushed the button. It dropped all the way down to the floor. And I thought, great, I'll just pull it back up. And it wouldn't budge. And so I tried to fix it. And it still wouldn't budge. And I held it down with one foot and pushed, pulled it up with my arms. And it still wouldn't budge. And I got mad. And I got angry. And I was looking for someone to blame. Who sold me this chair? Who convinced me to buy this chair? Who convinced me that this was the right chair? And it was not about the home office desk chair. It wasn't about that at all. It was about the pressure of this year. It was about the pressure that's put on our families and our health and our relationships. The pressure it's put on our politics and our society. The pressure it's put on our goals and our time. Sometimes this year, I've figured out just how much I am not unshakable. 
So who am I to tell you how to be unshakable? Later today, I'll tell you the answer. That I'll tell you who I am to share this with you. You know, we want to be strong. We want to be able to say, I can handle it. None of us wants to say, I am weak. None of us wants to say, I don't know how to parent in normal times, let alone this time. No one wants to say, I don't know how to teach online. No one wants to say, I don't know how to meet these needs that these kids have in this pandemic. Or no leader wants to say, I don't know how to lead in a time like this. No one wants to say, I know my parents need care. My spouse needs support. My friends need something. And I don't know how to care for them right now. No one wants to say, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose this person. And we don't know, we don't want to say, I don't know what I'm going to do now that I did lose that person. I, I can tell you, I don't know if this is a male thing or if this is a people thing. But I can tell you that many of us don't want to say, I don't know how to make ends meet. Or I don't know how I can stay in this house another day. I don't know how to meet all these expectations that are placed on me. I hear you saying these things. These expectations that we thought we could handle, but now they're too much. I don't know how to meet them. I don't know how to keep this juggling act going. So many of us are feeling that. The pressure looks different, right? And yet we're all affected by that pressure. That's why so many of us have had panic attacks this year, have gotten angry. When we need to get angry, I felt so hurt about small things. Stop trusting people we've always trusted. Losing our connection with people who matter most to us. That's why most of us have been so afraid without being able to rationally explain that fear. And it's fear. We've had so much fear and anxiety in this past year. It's been a year where fear has just grabbed us by the toes. And I want you to picture that. Actually picture someone walking along and fear grabbing them by the toes. And they can't move without tripping forward. And we don't want to admit that we've got our toes grabbed by fear, that we're trapped. We want to say, I'm not scared of this disease. I'm not scared of losing a family member. I'm not scared of whatever might come next. But for many of us, fear has got us by the toes. And when I think of fear grabbing someone by the toes, I, I actually think about my two-year-old, my daughter, Braylon, who I think you might have just heard as she popped open the door here a moment ago. I came home from working at the office one day to relieve our babysitter. And by the way, our babysitter is a rock star. Our daughter just adores her. I pulled into the driveway a few minutes early. 
and I got a call from a member of my team. So I knew it would be a quick call. I answered it. I had time. Um, but as I was on the phone, I looked up. I saw Braylon in the window, in the front window. Her head was just peeking over the front window sill. And I waved at her, and she smiled, and she had left the window. I didn't think anything of it. I ended the phone call. I walked up the sidewalk to the house. Braylon was gone from the window. I took out my keys. I answered into the lock. I opened the door. No one was there. I thought, this is really strange. And then Braylon emerges from the hallway with a big smile on her face that quickly just turns into panic. She has in her hands the small step stool that she uses to wash her hands in the bathroom. And she is frozen. Fear has her by the toes. The plans that she has made have now collapsed. I know, because I know my daughter, I know her life situation, I know there's nothing that she's afraid of that's an actual threat. She's okay. But I also know that her fears are very real to her. And isn't that the same with you and with I? I say to her, what's, what's wrong? And she's holding her stool and fears got her by the toes and she's got panic on her face. And she says, I, I, what I was, I was going to, and she can't get the words out. And as her dad, my heart breaks for her and I have no idea what's wrong. And her baby is smiling right behind her and she mouths, she was going to look out the window at you from her stool. One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, she likes to say that vulnerability is showing up. Being vulnerable is showing up and being seen. Laying what's there come out. It's asking for what you need. It's saying, I wanted to bring the step stool to the window to look outside. It's talking about how you're feeling or having a hard conversation. Hard conversations are vulnerable because there's that possibility of rejection, that possibility of hurt. I think of vulnerability as facing our fears head on, not with ego or bravado, but authenticity. And most of us don't do this. For most of us, when we feel anxious or afraid, when feel, fear has us by the toes, when we feel hurt or sad, what we do is we push those feelings away. We run away from these feelings when it happens. And what happens when we, when we run away from them? How do we do it? We try numbing, right? We create our own addictions. And every one of us has our own go-to way of numbing. It might be a smartphone. It might be just that scrolling through on whatever your go-to numbing app is. Maybe it's Netflix. How many of us binge watched for the first phase of the pandemic? It might be video games. We wonder why your kids play so many video games. It's not just that they're fun. It might be food. It might be achievements. It might be alcohol. 
might be trying, 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 whatever it is that you do to numb, to keep yourself busy, to keep yourself from feeling. We have our way of numbing so we don't have to feel vulnerable. So we don't have to admit that fear has us by the toes. And for a moment, maybe we feel like it's better. But then what? Loneliness sets in. Isolation sets in. Even when you're with other people. And there comes a point where all of that packed down vulnerability never dealt with explodes. Maybe explodes onto other people. Maybe explodes when you're getting upset at your office chair that won't raise back up. Maybe explodes when your body says either shut down or I'll shut you down. You've got to deal with this. We try so hard to say, I will, I am not weak. I will not be weak and no one will see me be weak. But the truth is all of us at times feel weak, scared, sad, and vulnerable. That's 2020. That's a big piece of the story. There are times this year that we felt helpless, that we felt like there was nothing we could do, that we were scared, that we were sad, that we were vulnerable. And we weren't sure how to handle it. And because we weren't sure how to handle it, fear continued to grab us by the toes. We saw this idea, this, this idea that most of us have this weakness, this fear, this vulnerability. In the scripture that Ben read for us earlier, and thank you, Ben, for reading that in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, in this letter that Paul wrote to the people in Corinth, he described how he had this thorn in his side. He called it a messenger of Satan that tormented him. So he weren't get full of himself. Now, I don't know if Paul really saw this as a demonic spirit or if he was making a point about how frustrating it felt. I could, I could see an argument either way. But do you ever think to yourself, I wish this messenger of Satan would just go away? You know, for Paul, we don't know if this messenger of Satan was a health condition, an emotional struggle, a temptation he felt. Or even a person in his life that loved to point out his inadequacies. The person that said, you know how much you're messing this up, Paul? And Paul prayed about it. He said, take it away, God. What was God's response? God's response is this. My power is made perfect in weakness. Did you catch that? Our weakness makes room for God's strength. Hold on to that for just a moment. Our weakness makes room for God's strength. So if we refuse to admit our weakness, if we try and convince ourselves or other people that we aren't weak, we have it together, we're fine, we will never receive the fullness of God's strength. In other words, when we are vulnerable, 
when we are not enough, when we don't have what it takes on our own, that's when we receive God's strength. Now, vulnerability is not easy. Vulnerability is terrifying. For me, I never want to admit that I have a weakness or an inability. I, Chris, the person, I struggle to ask for what I need because I don't want to be perceived as someone who needs anything. It's hard to admit to needing anything. Earlier this morning, we read a story from Jesus, of Jesus going to get baptized. Jesus shouldn't need anything. Why should he need to get baptized? But he goes to the water where John is baptizing people. And he says, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And John says, are you kidding? You don't need to be baptized by me. It's the other way around. But Jesus, who has everything, somehow says he needs something. He needs to be baptized. And he's there. And he names it. There's something about admitting a need, admitting a weakness, that creates room for God's strength. And as Jesus goes for his baptism, he goes into the water and John baptizes him. And a voice calls out from heaven. This is my son who I love. I think about the rest of Jesus's life. When he stood up against evil, he stood up against oppression. He was put to death for it. A slow, agonizing death. To stand strong in the face of such opposition. He was able to do it because he knew who he was. He heard it as baptism. He heard a voice from heaven that says this. This is my son who I love. I think about my daughter with her little step stool that she wanted to carry to the window so she could look outside and smile at her daddy. Who, But then he came inside too quickly. I want her to feel safe to say what she needs. I want her to be able to use her words to say, I wanted to wave at you from the window. You know why I told her? I said, do you need me to go back outside? She said, yeah. So I did. I walked back outside and she waved at me from the window and she was so happy. Many days. I, Chris, am not unshakable. And usually, it's because I try to convince myself that I am unshakable. It's because I try to deny that I am vulnerable, that I have places of weaknesses, I have insecurities, and I have trouble putting the words to what I need. 
like my little girl with her step stool. I need you to go back outside so I can wave. But I am most unshakable, friends. I am most unshakable on the days that I can say, this doesn't feel good. I know this feeling and this feels painful. Fear has me by the toes and I'm afraid. What am I really afraid of? When I'm getting mad at my office chair, what am I really upset about? What's this pressure of whatever's going on in the world? What's it really doing? This week, naming our vulnerabilities just the beginning. Over the next several weeks here in January, we'll look at our scarcity mindset that so many of us have been living by this year. We'll hear stories of what it really means to see people, to really see them. We're going to confront those numbing addictions. Over this month of January, we're going to become unshakable. But tomorrow, when someone asks you about your faith, what are you going to say? Here are some ideas you might say from today. You might say, owning my weaknesses makes room for God's strength. That's what my faith says. And you know what? They'll say this, say, wow, I want to be able to own my weaknesses like that. Teach me this kind of faith. You might tell them, my faith means knowing that you are loved in the midst of adversity. Or you might say, my faith means using my words when I need something. Because I know I'm okay. I know that by God's strength, I'm okay. If today's message has been helpful for you, do you know someone else who could benefit from it? Someone else who's had a hard year, a vulnerable year, but has struggled to name their vulnerability or wants to take that next step. We're going to repost this message today at 4 p.m. When we do, would you share it to your Facebook page? And at this moment right here, will you pray with me? If you want to live an unshakable year this year, would you say this prayer using the words on the screen? Would you say, God, we admit that we have not loved with our whole heart. We have distanced ourselves from you. We have failed to love the people dear to us and dear to you. We have blinded our eyes to people who face injustice. We have even failed to love ourselves as your children. We ask that you be near to us. We ask that you forgive, heal, and send us to carry your love into this world by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the good news. Jesus came to be near to us while we were trapped in our sin. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. And the name of Jesus is safe to admit to God our weakness. In the name of Jesus, we can trust that in our weakness, God is strong. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumla. 
Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Otumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa, spelled O-T-T-U-M-W-A, dot org. Thank you for listening.